Welcome to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we inspire collaborative thinking, improved outcomes, and business success with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders and influencers. And now your host, Saul Marquez. Welcome back once again to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we chat with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders. I encourage you to go to outcomesrocket.health slash reviews, where you could rate and review today's podcast because he is a power player, an amazing man. His name is Daniel Penn. He's the founder and CEO of Ticket Health. He has been listed in Forbes 30 under 30. And at his award-winning company, they help healthcare organizations improve outcomes through patient-reported data. Prior to founding Ticket Health, Daniel's eclectic and accomplished career includes ski racing for Canada, founding Happening Hamilton, being president of the McAllister Cycling Club, and publishing three cookbooks. Daniel sits on the board of ITAC Health and WIMTAC. These are Canadian organizations for healthcare, representing the growing healthcare startup scene. And so without further ado, I just want to open up the microphone to Daniel to fill in any of the gaps of that intro. So happy to have you here, Dan. Thanks, Al. It's uh, yeah, great to be here. Hey, so you've obviously done a lot in this uh, space and, and you're very vested in, in it, the various involvements in these organizations and your own company. What is it that got you interested in healthcare to begin with? So yeah, it's a, I'd say it's a family business in that sort of way. My grandmother um, on my mom's side is a surgeon and nice. my, both my parents are doctors and just kind of has flown through. My, my first job was in the hospital collecting wait times at a research project that my mom was working on. And then later that summer, I worked for my dad's medical device company. I can't deal with blood and guts, which is why I never became a doctor, but it's been pretty exciting to have an impact in, in the industry in another way. That is so interesting, Daniel. And so you really had no way of escaping it. <laughs> no, no, I really didn't. But I guess um, I had passions for other things as well. I was really interested in food and in other areas, but you know, healthcare definitely wrote me in. And I think it's an exciting space to, especially for long-term changes uh, to be involved in. You know, I couldn't agree with you more. Truly exciting times in healthcare, Daniel. And you guys are doing some pretty cool things there. And if you had to sum up a hot topic that should be on every medical leader's agenda today, Daniel, what would that be? And what are you guys doing to improve that? I think how to remove the stigma from the healthcare industry would be the area that we are kind of focusing on. And I think is a, an interesting area that covers a lot. Everything from mental health, where how much of our population do we know? We're finding out more and more uh, how population has mental health uh, struggles, anxiety, such, especially for younger populations. There's a huge stigma around it about what's talked about, what's not talked about, to things around social determinants of health and being able to not just, you know what you should be able to do, but be able to execute that based upon the society and where you kind of live and how you live. I think all of those things, if we can start to break down the barriers of understanding what is really going on with patients, we're actually be able to make a more effective system. So as a company, our focus has always been on kind of removing the stigma from the industry, helping patients communicate with their doctors about sensitive matters, trying to break down communication barriers like uh, literacy levels, uh, engagement. So we use kind of icons, images, and low literacy stuff from patient side to break down those barriers. And then actually translating these difficult topics into actionable things for healthcare providers. So they get alerts and information around suicide, 
they get, you know, flagged uh, responses so that they know what to do next and that they can have the resources. We've talked a lot, a bit about how in our company, about how we kind of live in this don't ask, don't tell health system. The patient's perspective is new, I'd say in general to this space. And now that we're starting to collect it, we actually don't know what to do with it. So while it's really important to make sure that the patient voice is uh, pulled into it, there's a huge repercussion to the system, positive and negative. I'd say long-term it's positive, but short-term there's huge um, risk and uh, I'd say uneasiness of understanding when we have this new data set uh, flow into the system. And so we're making sure that healthcare providers also feel like they're taken care of within this process. Hey, you really touched on a lot of really deep things there, Daniel. There's no doubt you guys are, are taking a look at, at the importance of communication inside and out, the barriers, making it so that you remove the obstacles and in and, and a design that's easy for patients, but also super useful for providers. What would you say one of your most interesting insights you've made here within the last several years as you guys have grown the company? I don't think the problem is technology, but everyone wants to fix it with a technological solution. I would say the biggest piece of it is, so when I came in, I was really like, okay, it's just the software sucks. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, these old outdated enterprise systems that just suck and that's why healthcare is broken. That is definitely not the case. Now, the software a lot of the time does suck, but also it is a great improvement on what has existed. But there's also, I would say, a huge culture change that has started to occur and in, but is at the very infancy. Moving from paper-based systems to electronic, it just can't be understated how massive of a change that is. And I would say in a change of not just electronic to paper or paper to electronic, it's a change of doctors being able to make their own decisions compared to health systems or their infrastructure guiding those decisions in a much more concrete way. And that is really frustrating. So if someone told me how I had to do my job and how I was going to have these interviews in the same sort of way, I would, of course, there would be frustration. Totally. Uh, what we are starting to realize, though, is that there's ways you can write essays that make it clearer to everyone. And there's structure in that way. I think that we're getting used to what that new structure is within the system. And there will be improvements, but it's still at the infancy. And I think that there's going to be a, a second wave in this mm -hmm electronifying, I think, towards a kind of a more digital type of system. And it's going to be probably, I hope it, uh, people will look at it as more positive than the electronic change. But I think we have to figure out how we're going to incentivize people to keep move, uh, progressing it forward so that we can get to the end goal, which is an effective healthcare system that really involves the patient in all sort of facets and is effective and efficient and uh, hopefully will save the government lots of money than it is currently saving. Uh, that is currently spending on care that just isn't giving them the outcomes they want. For sure. Yeah, that's a huge, huge topic, right? And how do we take control of these runaway costs? And it's fascinating what you guys are doing there, Daniel, the concept of person reported data. And the I think there's a wave of more of it coming through. I think this is where the importance of interoperability comes in and and what you're going to do with this as you dive through the things that you guys are doing, any difficulties with EMR integration or things like that, that you guys have been able to get some pearls out of? Yeah, there's a lot. of. It, it's, <laughs> um, yeah, it's a hugely difficult space. And I think the thing that's what we've found out and I think what's become really interesting to us is just how, like, you know, we're five years into this, this, so it's new, but it's not that new. For me, it's not that new, but it's still, you know, we were talking to an exec the other day and he's like, I've never seen a solution like this before. And it's like, 
how does it still exist that we're not having solutions that are everywhere that have pull and patient reported data? And I think the key, one of the key barriers to it is electronic medical records were never built to collect this data. Mm-hmm. Yet, electronic rec- medical records are now trying to become the entire communication tool platform. Like they're going to host everything that is communicated about a patient for a health system. And uh, what's interesting, like it's a fascinating thing to see how something that was used for billing and very specific changing processes within an environment to make people be much more consistent. Now we have to adapt a whole new set of data, which actually will break it all. Like if you started, like the part of it is, and our, my theory is that we're not treating patients the right proper way because we actually don't know what the best way to treat these patients are because we actually don't have the data set to do that. So electromedical records are not really positioned well in this environment except for the fact that they own the entire market. I mean, from a technological point of view, it's going to be a huge hurdle for them to accept this type of data, know what to do with it, uh, put it in a structured sort of way. So that, I understand, is a huge barrier. The issue that's going to come is whether or not they decide what's going to be the future of healthcare. And by accepting this data, or are they going to continue on their sort of ways of making a light version of it that will kind of meet the needs but won't really transform the system in the ways that patient-reported data can. Yeah, it's fascinating to think about what can happen if you do decide to start integrating this data. And, you know, I mean, the thing that comes to mind, Daniel, is social determinants of health, right? I look at that as as some of the most information-rich things that a a patient can give you that will help you move the lever on, on outcomes. And if we don't take these inputs that oftentimes can be embarrassing, right? You talked about, hey, you know, it, it could be embarrassing, mental health illness or food scarcity. How are we going to incorporate these? If you have an anonymous way of doing it, like through Ticket, then it becomes a more seamless way to integrate some of the things that could potentially stand in the way of health. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, it's, it's a really interesting thing because I think this is opening, like social, the conversation of social determinants of health has opened up a completely new conversation about how to treat patients. I was actually listening to the news here in Canada the other day, or actually this morning, and they were talking about how healthcare needs to be focused more on social resources rather yes. than spending in hospitals. But the thing about it is we've known the value of preventative care for like decades. It's not new, yet we just we also don't have a structure to incentivize people to focus on those things or, you know, the stick to say, well, if this is what's going like, this is going to have the effect. Now, there are areas post-surgery, you yeah. kind of want to know if your patient lives on the second store floor walk up, because if, if they do and they have to walk up those stairs every day or to get home after surgery, that has a clear effect on your outcome of your surgery. So I think there's clear ones that we can incentivize that are being incentivized today, but there's also, I'd say, a huge stigma against social determinants of health, which I can also see. It's a bit, you know, in Canada versus the U.S., we have a different perspective, I'd say, to some degree on it. But I could also imagine there being a huge pushback of, well, that person got this treatment and I got this treatment just because I don't have the same income mm-hmm. and the effects of that. So I think one of the things about it is, is that we're, it's, social determinants of health are going, are going to be hugely important, but I think we have to be very clear and careful about how we address the stigma against a social determinants of health. Yeah. Uh, it could be our best friend or our worst enemy. And we're at a time that you know, those things are going to make a big change. 
Yeah, for sure. And I think you guys are are in an interesting position with the way you're, you've built your technology, Daniel, to sort of fit as a solution provider in that space, especially if, if you're working with providers that want to start doing something about it and staying ahead of the game, you know? Yeah, we have. Um, so we've actually, and we've, you know, we've integrated our solution into two-on-ones, which are social services systems. So we can collect data and offer feedback based upon that response so that you can look at specific social determinant health uh, solutions that are available and other sort of social resources. I think there's, it's just the start of it. And there's other groups that are working on this in great ways. And I think for us, the key thing is, how do we approach, like, what's the key to approach to make it manageable? And is the incentives going to be there to actually go from start to finish, not just collect the data? Because if you just collect the data, there's no value. Data without kind of an outcome or next step is, I personally think is kind of can be a waste of time. I totally think you need to be clear on, oh, you're collecting that data. And then what happens next? Yeah, I totally agree with you, Daniel. And, and so as you guys take the steps toward the first half of your first decade, what would you say one of your most exciting or proudest leadership moments that you've experienced to date in, in health? I'd say it's putting together the team that we've had so far and some of the outcomes. I think that what we're trying to do is really make a big, we're trying to transform the healthcare space to make it more inviting and more comfortable for all patients uh, and make their voice being heard. And it's Five years ago, there was no business model around what we were doing. So to convince people to come on this journey and to actually change the healthcare space without necessarily the idea of, okay, this is going to make billions of dollars moving forward, you know, I think that's not easy. But what I've been really proud of is, you know, putting together a team that, you know, everyone on our team has a story that of a family or themselves that made them want to join this company because they want to transform this space to make it better. They've left more uh, like higher paying jobs with, I'd say, more not interest working on not more interesting things, but definitely things that could that were safe and easy. And we've been able to help them find something a little bit different that's going to save lives. And that part of it is putting together that leadership. And I think next year, you know, we're going to have some really amazing sort of stories and outcomes to come out from that that um, we'll be publishing over the next uh, year that I think will show what bringing that leadership team together just uh, can accomplish. Daniel, so awesome. Yeah, and you know, I've followed some of the things that you guys are up to. It's exciting. You're piecing together a great team there with Dr. Sandy Whitehouse, your co-founder. And yeah. I think it's exciting what you guys are doing. So truly encourage you guys to keep the hard work up. I, I think that the light at the end of the tunnel is clear. So uh, keep up the great work, man. Thank you. Thank you so much. So let's dive into a little episode here. We always put together a syllabus for the listeners, Daniel. Yeah. And so it's a lightning round, four questions, the 101 course, the ABCs of Daniel Penn on improving healthcare outcomes. And cool. so we're going to write it together. Four questions, lightning round style, followed by a book and a podcast that you recommend to the listeners. You ready? Yep. All right. What is the best way to improve healthcare outcomes? Involve more designers. What is the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid? Not listening to patients. How do you stay relevant as an organization despite constant change? Empower young people with good creative ideas. And what's one area of focus that should drive everything in your organization? Improving patients' access to care. And what book and what podcast would you recommend to the listeners, Daniel? That's an interesting one. <laughs> For me personally, it's uh, the Seven Drinks That Changed the World. And I've... For me also, it's a, not a podcast about healthcare, but it's a reply all. 
which gives me up to date on everything that's going on in the website web world. And it's called Reply All? Yeah, Reply All. Nice. Fantastic. Listeners, take a look at those podcasts. Take a look at the book. Don't worry about writing it down. Just go to outcomesrocket.health slash pen. That's P-E-N-N, Daniel's last name. And you're going to be able to find all the show notes, the syllabus that we just crafted, and also links to the podcast and book that he just recommended. Daniel, great time. just flies by with you. And we're here to the end. I wish we had more time, but before we conclude, I'd love if you could just share with a closing thought for the listeners and the best place that they could get in touch with you at. Yeah, so I think the most exciting thing about healthcare is that we're in the start of a major change in this. Patients are going to be more, are already more involved in their care. And I think the tools that are being built and talked about are just going to empower that over the next 20, 30 years. The only thing is it's going to take 20 or 30 years for us to get to where we would like this to be. It's not going to happen overnight. So bear with it, but also make sure that you're part of that change. Best way to connect with us is uh, through our website, tickethealth.com, and uh, to reply to me there. Daniel, thank you so much for making the time to be here with us. We're looking forward to keeping up with your team as well as what you're up to. And so thank you so much for making the time. Cool. Thanks, all. Thanks for listening to the Outcomes Rocket podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at www.outcomesrocket.com for the show notes, resources, inspiration, and so much more.